Praise God, my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Welcome to the On Earth As It Is In Heaven podcast. Romans 12.5 says, We who are many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. The goal of this podcast is to help all members of God's church establish God's kingdom here on earth by learning and discussing his principles. Through these discussions, we hope to facilitate actions that will create heaven on earth. I'm your host, JB, and I'm going to start us off with a prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for another opportunity to come together and to hear your word. We thank you, Lord, that we know that you love us, that you care about us, that you're watching over us. That, again, we have all been created with a purpose. The word says we are your handiwork and you are the potter, we are the clay. That we, we were purposed before we were even born. And so, Lord, through this podcast, on earth as it is in heaven, help us to bring heaven down to earth through facilitating the actions of every individual that you have called and created, that they would know their purpose, that they would be in their purpose, and that they would start in their calling. Train them, Lord. Help them to hear your voice as you speak to each and every individual who listens to this podcast. Help me, Lord, as we enter into this episode to yield to the Holy Spirit. Less of me, all of you, Lord. Help me to speak the word that you have for your people today. Help them to know, Lord, if they're listening right now, that you do have a word for them. That it's not just another generic episode, but there is a word specifically today for them. And when they hear it, Lord, help them to take it back to you. Help them to meditate on the word that we read today. And help them, Lord, to understand what it is, the reason that they've come across this podcast and this episode. We give you the praise and thanks in this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you guys for joining me here for another episode of On Earth As It Is In Heaven. And today, the message that I believe the Lord has for me is living the daily life as a Christian. You'll notice today, um, I intentionally, and I'll do this occasionally, just um, out of out of nowhere, but intentionally today, I'm kind of dressed down a bit. Kind of got my basketball shorts on, uh, Dragon Ball Z anime shirt on. Um, and the reason why uh, I did this intentionally today is because I want to talk about what it looks like to live the daily life, not just the Sunday morning life, or maybe even the Wednesday evening life. And for the church people, you know, Sunday morning obviously is the church service, and Wednesday evenings are often Bible studies, or, or as my church down the group has, uh, it's a community group. Um, but during those times, those are pretty familiar and set in stone, steady church events. That generally, especially Sunday morning, you know, you, you wear your Sunday best, you know, you, you get dressed up to the, to the, 
to the T. You know, you got your nice hats on, your nice dresses, nice suits on with your ties or bows, you know, uh, nice shiny shoes on, and whew, we're representing the Lord. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, it is awesome to represent the Lord. You know, the Bible talks about the way that Solomon was dressed. Um, and I, from what I read, it was no, there's ain't, there wasn't anybody as fly as Solomon was in the way he was dressed in his materials. So um, there is definitely nothing wrong. And I actually encourage you to really look at yourself and take pride in yourself and what you're wearing and how you're dressing, how you're looking, your hair, um, uh, making sure you're groomed and, and, and clean. I don't know, we're representing God. He's a holy God. And... So, again, we're encouraged to, to look nice, you know, but we do not want to get into a place to where we are uh, excessively caring about how others think how we look or obsessively thinking we need to look a certain way to be worthy of this faith. And so we got to find where that place is where I want to honor God and myself and my body, and I want to take care of myself, whether it's through my health or whether it's through the things that I wear or how I get my hair done or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, you want to have respect and honor for that and represent God in a good light. But at the same time, you know, there some days you go to the gym, such as I was at the gym this morning, you know, and you're going to wear uh, gym clothes and you know, there's going to be just certain times where it's okay, you know, for you to wear just regular clothes and be a regular person. And leading into this episode, what I want to talk about is the daily life of a regular Christian, of a Christian, the, the, the walk that we should be walking, not the religious image that has been placed on our faith, um, but what does it actually mean to live as a Christian? And oftentimes, the first thing that comes to, people, to people's minds are the rules. Um, and more specifically, likely the Ten Commandments. Most people, it's almost like a household name, the Ten Commandments. Even if they don't know what they are, they know the Ten Commandments is from God, you know. And it's, it's a list of rules that we need to follow. And so... Most people, they think Christians, oh man, they got to go to church every Sunday. They got to go to Bible study. They're supposed to, and, and now that I'm saying this, I'm, there's actually two <laughs> two images. There's the image of what the Christian is supposed to be, and then there's an the image that Christians have now put out that people think of when they hear the word Christian. So when the first is the rules, you know, you got to do these things. That's when you're a Christian, you have to follow these rules. It's a list of rules that you got to follow. And that's the way you walk this life. And then the second is the image that when most people hear Christianity, they think hypocrite. Because they hear, they they know that it's been spoken that you're supposed to follow these rules. But they also know that most Christians aren't following these rules. And so we have uh, essentially two bad images of what it means to be a Christian. Whether the, the people think that it's about a list of rules that you got to follow and it's going to box them in and they can't live their life or whether it's the other side of where people think, oh, 
they have these lists of rules and they don't even follow them. Why are they trying to get me to become a Christian? And so those are two of the negative sides. And then there is an actual way that we are to live this Christian life that oftentimes goes unnoticed. Um, partially, I believe it's because most Christians don't even think about it in this way. But Christianity is was never meant to be uh, a one-day Sunday thing, you know, or two-day again, Sunday and Wednesday thing. And then the rest of your life is your life. But, oh, as I'm a Christian. My Christianity is on Sunday mornings and Wednesday evenings, you know, and possibly before I go to bed, you know, I might say a prayer. And that's not the way that Christianity is supposed to be. Um, I think when we truly embrace the true walk of life of Christianity, um, the Holy Spirit can really reveal itself to more people through our lives. And I think part of the ways that we are supposed to evangelize, um, and I'm not exactly sure when the evangelism episode is coming out. Um, I have an episode uh, with a guest on it. We're going to talk about evangelism. But one of the ways that I believe that we are to evangelize is literally through our daily living. Just the way we live our lives. When people look at our lives, I've heard the word uh, writ, uh, living epistles. You know, we have the written epistles and then our lives should be a living epistle. People should look at our lives and they should know what our faith is about. Um, at least have a, a glimpse into it and you know, the Bible tells us that we are to be set apart, consecrated, you know, we're holy unto God. And so our lives, we are not to be conformed to the ways of this world. There should be something that stands out about you in your workplace, in your hobbies, whether you do sports or whatever else you may do. You might do music. There should be something about you that people think, hmm, this, this person is different. Even before they even know you're a Christian, you know, they should think, huh, there's something different about that person, the way they work, the way they talk, the way they love. Um, the Bible tells us they're going to know Jesus' disciples by the way they love, you know? And so when people look at your life, there should be something about it that makes them do a double take, you know? And something about you, they don't even know what it is. And they're just drawn to you. And sometimes negativity can come out of that because, again, they don't know exactly why they're drawn to you. It's also important for you to know that it's not you, but it's the God in you. Because I know that there are times where I feel like, you know, or at least I used to be like, man, why are people drawn to me? Like, who am I for people to even acknowledge me or whatever it may be. And then you get the revelation. It's not It's not me. It's Jesus. You know, it's the Jesus in me. And Jesus may be working something in that person that he's drawing to you. Okay. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean you need to start preaching to that person right away off, off the top. You know, as soon as they approach you, you know, you're like, bam, hopping right to it. But when things like that start to happen, things that may seem to be coincidence, may seem to be a little out of the norm, may seem to be um, like you're just attracting this energy of people to you, um, God may be working something in you and in them. And so you want to make sure you get to a point to where you're noticing those things and you're listening um, because God may have a word of knowledge for somebody. 
he may be um, looking to foster a relationship between you and them because the only way we have influence is with those we have relationship with. And so, you know, a complete stranger, you know, you may be able to give them a word of knowledge and, you know, through the prophetic, they're going to receive that from you because you're going to speak something that deals directly with what's going on in their life. And it's going to be an on-time word. God is awesome for on-time words. But when we're talking about the, the real influence we can have in someone's life, if you think about yourself, for, for instance, not everybody can tell you that you're doing something wrong or that you need to go this way or that you should do this thing or you should go this way. There's a specific person or a group of people who can tell you certain things. And you can probably imagine even yourself, there may be a loved one or a stranger in your life and you know something that's good for them, but you also know that you can't be the one who tells them that. It just can't come from you. Whether it's right or wrong, it cannot come from you. And so we have to... Again, just be mindful of the things that God is working out. We, again, as I always say, we serve a living God. Um, he is speaking to us daily, and he is always on the move working to to win souls. The Bible says he doesn't wish any should perish. And so he is on a mission, and if he's on a mission, as children of him, as servants of God, as children of God, we should also be in line with the same mission he is on. Um, but again, just going back to this Christian life, this faith, um, it should be shown in our daily lives. And that's what we're going to talk about today. You know, what does it look like to live the daily life as a Christian? You know, um, we're going to start in Deuteronomy. Uh, if you got your Bibles, hopefully um, this is the first episode you're coming in and tuning into. I haven't said it before, but I think I'm going to start reminding people. I'm usually just about always going to have some scripture. And so if you're planning on listening to this podcast, you know, have your Bibles ready because I'm looking to, uh, the Bible says faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. And so I'm looking to share the word of God with people because that is the absolute. That is the truth. That is how we grow in relationship with God. That's not the only way. There's many people who have memorized scriptures and have a lot of head knowledge, but it is the first step in growing in your relationship. So if you don't have the word, um, then you know you can easily drift off into all types of, of weird things. So uh, generally speaking, have your Bible ready uh, whenever you're listening to this podcast, whether it's a, a single, you know, me solo an episode or I have a guest on there. Uh, there will be some scripture and some uh, God-breathed word being spoken, all right? So we're going to start off in Deuteronomy chapter six, 6, verses 4 through 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. That first part right there. And, you know, in the, New, in the New Testament, Jesus gets asked, what is the greatest commandment? In the first one, he says, one is love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. The second is love your neighbor as yourself. But this one here, when you, when you look at that, that's not something we can do in our own power. And I think that's something that they didn't understand at the time. But like, luckily, we have the Bible and we have more in the New Testament to help us to live this Christian life. 
and to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. You actually need God to do that. That is a prayer um, that should be often prayed. God, help me to love you with all my heart, with all my strength, with all my soul, with my everything. I need your help to help me to love you. Because on the daily, in your regular daily life, as we're talking about today, you have lots of things competing for some of your love, for some of your strength, for some of your soul, for some of your heart. One of the leading things is money. It's generally what our lives, for the most part, on this earth, are surrounded by. You think about, you know, what job you want to do because of money. You know, you think about what schools you want to send your kids to because you want them to get a good education so they can grow up and get a good job or career making more money. When we look at anything that needs to be done in this world, it's going to cost money. You know, there's the saying, money makes the world go round. And there's money involved in just about every aspect. You know, when you, if you live in a town like uh, St. Louis, like I do, depending on which neighborhood you go into, I was just driving down one of a, a more decent neighborhood. And I'm not going to get into the politics and taxes and how money is distributed and things of that nature. Literally, I'm just looking at the aspect of what money does. And I see them redoing some roads that I had driven on, you know, regularly. And those roads really didn't seem that bad. And then you're in the bad part of, uh, or a worse part, I'll say, of uh, St. Louis. And by worse, I mean, you know, it's deemed as more poverty stricken and, and more crime maybe. But those roads are horrible potholes everywhere and it's just like you feel like your car is going to break while you're riding on these roads and nothing's being done there and why is that and it would seem that there's not enough money in the accounts in that particular area to repave those roads so because of that there are worse off roads that aren't being redone because of money and nobody's going to front any money because that's their money that's the money that's going to come out of their pocket Again, not getting into politics, but getting into money and why things things could still get done. People could offer up more money, but why would I do that? There's more money that can be taken from over there. Why don't the people who have more money give more money? You know, And we're not going to point fingers at who should do what with what money, but the issue is that money is an issue. People care about their money. People love their money. Yes, people have to take care of their families. But there are things that could be done right now that would make this world a better place that aren't getting done because of money. Simply because of money. Tons of abandoned homes, abandoned roads and towns that can be fixed up. You can knock those things down, build up new things. But where's the money going to come from? You know? And I'm not saying I know where it should come from, but I'm just saying that the issue is that there's a lack of money that's being involved and why that thing isn't getting done. And why is there a lack of money? Well, people want to hold on to their money. People want to make more money, you know, and they're going to do whatever they can to make more, keep and keep more 
and lose less of it. And so money is just one of, again, one of those big things that competes with your love. The Bible talks about it many times in the word. And I think there's a reason for that because that's one of the biggest competitors to God. You can't serve God and money. And so we have to be aware of that. Um, Again, so I'm going to start over verse four. We're in Deuteronomy chapter six, verse four. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts and press them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and you bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Impress them on your children. Verse 7, impress them on your children. When we're talking about raising our, our children to be godly children, the Bible says raise them the way they should go and they will not depart from the way. Godly adults start uh, oftentimes as godly children. You know, you are raising them, you're bringing them to church, you're teaching them the word. But how do we do that? Do we have a Bible study with our kids? Yeah, that's a, that's a good idea. Um, do we take them to church, maybe have them be in Sunday school or children's church? Yes, also great ideas. Um, do we in, uh, invite them to, you know, the vacation Bible schools or any particular, any particular uh, event that's going on that the children, family events at the church? Yes, all great ideas. Um, but the things about those is the Bible and God can quickly and very easily begin to get associated with events. God's what we talk about when we go to church or any type of church event. And God is for those places. But when we leave, if we close that Bible and just go back to the way of the world, it's almost like you're trying to live a dual life. And we know that we can't do that. And so how do we uh, go about that? How do we avoid setting our kids up for that failure of trying to live a dual life, trying to separate, you know, the the God part of their life and the world part of their life. Well, I think it makes it clear really here, here, and I try to do this with my children. It says, talk about them when you sit at home. Huh, that sounds like just every day when you, you may be sitting at the dinner table eating. Um, you may be sitting in the living room having family time, playing board games or watching a TV or a movie or something of that nature, um, just at home, when you're home throughout the day. Um, when you walk along the road, uh, to me that sounds like maybe you are at a park and you're just walking along a path or something, or maybe you're driving to your many events, whether it's school, um, you might be driving them, they might do extracurricular uh, activities. So it may, they may mm, sorry, it may be sports, Maybe a band, um, whatever type of other hobbies there are, book club, um, things like that. You might just be driving. You might be a a family who's on the road all the time. Um, That's a good opportunity to talk about, you know, the commandments of God or the word of God. 
you know, when things, there have been times where opportunities have came up, you know, hopefully you're listening to uh, a gospel station or um, maybe even some sermons on the radio. And again, you don't want to be religious about this. These aren't rules that you have to follow. But on occasion, you know, maybe you have some of that stuff playing and you have an opportunity to explain, you know, maybe some lyrics in a song or maybe a sermon that's happening. I know my daughter has lots of questions at the age of seven for some of the things we're listening to. And that's a great opportunity to bring something up. Or maybe you guys don't have anything playing on the radio and you guys are just talking about their day. You know, you might pick them up from school. How's your day at school? You know, oh, so-and-so was being was being mean to so-and-so, you know, and she and she was being really mean to her. And and I went over and, and checked on her and, you know, well, that's awesome. That sounds like something that God probably wants you to do. You know, the Bible tells us that we should love our neighbor. So that's really good that you went over there and talked to your friend who you knew was upset because, you know, you're showing her the love of God. She can see that in you. And so what are we doing? Positive reinforcement, but we're also letting them know. We're also building into their lives God, letting them know that God isn't just on Sundays or Wednesdays or during these activities, but God is speaking to you every day. Maybe um, there's an opportunity because they might have done something that wasn't so great, you know, and you you say, you know, what do you think? Uh, God might have wanted you to do in that situation, you know, and and we're really pointing things back to God um, and we're really working that in. So walking along the road, you know, again, is could be just heading to many different places and where the opportunity arises, you take advantage of it when you lie down and when you get up. Um, those are two of the ones that I think most. Uh, well, I, I mean, I have no clue on what most people do, but I feel like that's one of the easier ones. One of the more common ones you hear about is prayers before bed and prayers uh, possibly when you wake up. Usually the bedtime prayer is the big one that most families that I that I know of that talk about this do, is they'll do a bedtime prayer. Um, but it's also important to pray in the mornings as well to command your day. I know a lot of times the mornings, especially if you have little ones, can be very hectic and busy depending on how many little ones you have, you know, the different various ages. If you have work yourself, there's just so much going on. But um, generally, me and my kids, the calm moment, you know, in the past has been at the bus stop. So, I mean... I think I might like to try to get it done even earlier than that. But generally, when we wake up, we're just, you know, you're trying to get things going. But definitely try to make a point to get to the bus stop early enough that we have time to pray. And um, again, what does that look like? You know, especially because this passage includes impressing it on your children. What does it look like to... Prepare your kids and to train your kids up in the way they should go. Um, Well, in the beginning, I did all the praying. And then I would have my kids also do some prayer sometimes, but not forcefully. One thing that I speak about with my kids is that they're going to have to make this decision for themselves. One thing I think we should be really clear on with our children, because I feel like sometimes... Um, even adults now 
have come to this revelation. But as children, if you are Christian and you have a Christian family, your children are part of a Christian family, but not necessarily Christian until they choose that life. And oftentimes little ones are even still too young to actually choose. And so they don't really understand. And so at this time, you know, we are reading the Bible to them. We're explaining it to them again uh, when they wake up, when they lie down, when they're walking along the path, when they're sitting at home. We're finding opportunities to let them know that this is a lifestyle that we're living in our daily lives. That's how we live our faith, not just on Sundays. But at the same time, I've spoken to my kids. I'm like, you guys are going to have to make this decision for yourself as when you get older because daddy's faith can't save you. Daddy can't get you to heaven when you get older. Neither can mommy or anyone else, your pastor. No one's faith saves you. It's a personal choice and it's a personal relationship. Hopefully, uh, at the very young age, you are already trying to facilitate that personal relationship between your children and God. Every so often, you know, in our group prayer, you know, I'll include Heavenly Father. We confess that we are sinners, that we have sinned even today. And we ask you to help us with those sins, Lord. Help us to. To, to live the life that you have called us to live, Lord, and the things that we struggle with. And that's in our group prayer. But there are times when also I will explain to my kids, I'm like, okay, so tonight we're going to do individual prayers too. So we'll do our group prayer and I'll send one kid off this way and one kid off that way. But before they do, I'll explain to them. I'm like, okay, so I want you guys to think about something that you did today that might not have been pleasing to God. Um, something that you might have done by accident or something you did intentionally because we do intentionally sin sometimes. We know it. Someone gets on our nerves. We know we shouldn't retaliate. We know it's bad. We know it's sin. And we choose to do it. Now, some might say, you know, there are hothead moments where it's just reaction. Somebody does something, sets you off, triggers you, bam, you just go off and and, and, and blabbermouth mode and say some things you regret. But there are also times where you sat there. It's what they call premeditation. <laughs> I watch a lot of crime shows. And generally there's a, there's a heavier crime sentence when you have premeditated your crime. But there are times where we have premeditated sin. And we know it, we know we shouldn't do it. And we go and do it anyway. Luckily God has sent his son to die and pay the price for all those sins. But also those sins we should confess to the Lord also. So I tell the children, you know, it may be something that you have done accidentally or intentionally. But I want you to think about those things. You're going to confess them to God. You're going to ask him to help you not to do them anymore. One thing I always tell him, you never say, I'm not going to do it anymore, God. Because when you do, when you do that, when you say that, you're telling God, I got this. I can handle this on my own. I'm going to do this. But we see through reading of the word, that that never works. We always need God's help. And so we confess our sins. We ask God to help us to not do that thing anymore. And we're sincere with it. One thing I always talk about with my kids is the sincerity of repentance. Repentance isn't just an apology. Oh, God, I'm sorry I did that. 
you know, because you don't really want to get in trouble for it. No, repentance is you really have a change of mind. You realize what you did was wrong. You truly understand that. And you're sorry about it. We don't want to dwell in it. We don't want to condemn ourselves. But we do understand what we did was wrong. We do understand what we did was wrong. We are sorry about it. And we want to change the way that we're doing things. And so we say, God, please help me not to do that no more. Help me to see things the way you see them. Help me to respond the way that you will respond, Lord. Help me to do what, it, what needs to happen to, to break this bondage that I'm, I'm dealing with. If it's something that you're continuously doing. And so I'll send them on their way. And I tell them, I'm like, you guys pray to God about those things. And whatever else you feel is on your heart. And then when you're done, you can come back and, you know, I, I actually, I don't even go over it anymore with them. You know, I, I want them to feel like their prayer was enough. It's their relationship with God. So what they said is enough, you know, and the way that I, I would coach would be outside of that. I might, again, I always elaborate the, the different things that you can pray about, the way you can talk to God and leave it up to them to do it. But I just don't want them to pray, them to come back, tell me what they prayed, and I'm trying to fix it, I guess. You know, but I will intentionally talk about those things at a later time, just not them, because I don't want them to start feeling like my prayer isn't enough. So even when sometimes we pray as a as a family together and I'm like, do any of you guys want to pray again? I leave it as an option. God leaves it as an option to us to choose him. I don't want to force them into prayer. So I leave it as an option. I might say something like, uh, well, you haven't prayed in a while, Zamar. Do you want to pray tonight? You know, and she'll pray. But even then, you know, they might just pray for their friends at school. You know, they might, I pray that so-and-so is, is, is nice and doesn't get in trouble or doesn't get hurt or whatever it may be. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, that was the prayer for the night because their prayer is enough. Um, unless there is something specific, I might tell them if, I, if there's something specific I want to pray about. I'm like, oh, I'm going to pray about this, but can one of you guys pray also with me about whatever you want to pray about? And that's how I will include if I definitely feel like there's something that needs to be prayed about. But otherwise, their prayer is enough. We have to start letting them know that they have their own relationship. They can have their own relationship with God. And again, that this is a daily thing. This is how we live our daily life. This isn't just an event that we do. Okay? Um, and so it says here, Tying this up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. I think this is a true depiction of what it means to be um, a Christian. Is tying them on your hands and your forehead. What are you doing and what are you thinking? The way you're, the way you are acting, you know, the Bible says that faith without works is dead. So there should be some works. There's going to be fruit that is produced. It is a fruit producing salvation. Not works produce salvation so the works don't get you salvation but when you are saved that salvation produces fruit works will come from that salvation that's one thing we always want to keep in the correct order all right and so what does that look like um again your household is just should be something different about it now again we want to be careful because we don't want to be religious where we just has where it says you know having these up on your door frames you know just having verses per posted around your house so that people think, oh, they're holier than thou. No, this is like something that just keeps it at the forefront of your mind. You know, you read these scriptures and you, that you might have posted in different places. And you do the actions and you think the way that God wants you to think. 
And this passage just had so much. I didn't realize I was going to go that long on this passage. But Deuteronomy, again, chapter 6, verses 4 through 9, is so good for helping us to understand that this word, we should be talking about it and meditating on it day and night. And all throughout the day, no matter what we're doing, we're driving here to there, we're waking, we're lying, we're sitting in the home, whatever it may be. It's just our daily lives. When you start to transform your life that way, this is something that I've noticed that's helped me when it comes to evangelizing. Um, because when you when your faith is only a Sunday faith or a Sunday and Wednesday faith, it's kind of hard to evangelize because you're like, oh, how do I go into this subject of uh, receive Jesus right now? You know, and it's just like when you do evangelize, it might kind of seem intense. Like, bam, it just came out of nowhere. But when you're living your daily life that way, it's a little bit easier, I found, because I'll just be having a conversation and I'll just be uh, like, oh, yeah. And it's natural. It's like you don't really have to try to force it. But when you're serving God, you can just say things like, oh, yeah, I went on. For me, this is something, a bigger thing. But I'll tell people, yeah, I went on a mission trip on Honduras of of a church that I attend, you know, for two and a half weeks, bam, already put in something related to my faith. Now they know. I always feel like a, a, just talking about your life is a good icebreaker. Once people know that you're a Christian of your faith, that is like the first icebreaker. So it's like, bam, it's not, you're not smacking them anymore. All right. You've already let them know that you're doing something and serving God and you've already brought that up. And so they know that. Or I'm like, oh, yeah, uh, you know, Wednesday nights, I usually go to a community group of a, a church I attend. You know, fam, you've let them know that you are a Christian. Now, again, likely they might get one of those first two images that I talked about earlier. You know, you're one of the people who are like trying to live by all these rules or you're a hypocrite. That's OK. OK, because why that's OK is your life. If you're living this life the way you should, you're going to be the one that breaks their perception of what they thought it should be. So it's okay if whatever they already think about it. You just live your life the way you should be living it. And your life will speak for itself. So bam, you've already put that out there. Then you may find, again, the opportunity if they might ask you a question about it. Oh, yeah, so... You know, you do what on Wednesdays? Oh, this community group, you know, we get together, um, members from the church, we read some scriptures, we get to discuss about it. It's pretty awesome. Everybody gets to put their input in, too. So, you know, it's very relaxed and chill, non-intimidating. Um, if you're interested, I can like, give you some information, you know. Just very cool, lenient about it. You know, you're not, you're not trying to get somebody to get baptized on the spot. Now, I'm not saying that God hasn't called you to do that. If you something you feel like God has called you to do, you know, he speaks to everyone differently on their different levels. You do what you feel like God is speaking to you to do. But I just noticed when you're living the lifestyle of a Christian, the way, you know, just keeping God in all of every area of your life, it's a lot easier to go into evangelism because it's not evangelizing in the way that most people think about it. There's nothing wrong with going and handing out pamphlets and going to speak or, you know, whatever it may be. Those are all good methods of evangelizing, but also your life should be a way of evangelizing as well. And I feel like that's one of the easier methods. 
Um, you might bring that up and nothing comes from it. They just immediately change the subject. But the seed has been planted. They know what you're about now. And so there may come a time. I have people who come to me. They don't really talk to me about my faith, but they might come to me when a loved one is sick or hurt. And they're like, um, I was wondering if you could pray for somebody because, I, I mean, I know you're, they'll, they'll say stuff like, I know you're, you're in that church thing or something like that. But that is already, again, another step of faith. And again, the the faith, it's almost like the, uh, which I don't know if you read this part. This is, it might not be the best example, but <laughs> the disciples that went to go try to cast out demons in the name of the God of Paul, and Bar- I think it was Paul and Barnabas. And so they weren't viewing him as their God. But it emboldened them to try to go cast out some demons. Now, granted, the demons made, you know, stripped them naked and ran them off. That still was a step of faith for them. And, you know, we don't hear much more about them. But I'm sure they went back to the disciples and was like, man, you know, had a whole talk. And the disciples probably spoke to them about, hey, you know, you can't. It's not us. It's God in us, you know, and God is our father and he's also yours. And you got to have your own personal relationship with him. Um, And so when people even have that faith, though, in you, you know, you can pray and still, you know, miracles can come off of you praying for their friend. But that's another step of faith. Hopefully that's another opportunity for you to speak a word of encouragement to them, maybe and invite them to a service or something like that. Again, that is another way to evangelize as well is inviting them to places um, sharing like episodes like this, a podcast that are Christian based. Um, you don't always have to do the talking. God has planted people who will do the teaching, the talking, the preaching, the pastoring. Um, and so your job might just be able to get them in the right place at the right time, or at least invite them and leave the option up to them. Um, and so those are just different ways of evangelizing. But again, your daily life, the way you live this life, um, the relationship with God, Christianity life should be a thing that you express in every area of your life and it'll be a lot easier and there's more freedom in that as well as opposed to trying to get it all into just these days and then live for the world the rest of the days. Um, we're going to go into James chapter 2 verses 15 through 17. James chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. Hopefully, again, you got your Bible. I kind of had a placement in James. James, sometimes it's kind of hard for me to find. Um, But here again, James chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. As the the pastors say, when you got it, say amen. (laughs) All right, so... It says, suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, 
I'm going to read one more. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. So I'm going to go back. And one of the things I want to point out here is oftentimes in the word, when it refers to a brother or sister, it's talking about a believer. So these, this is going to be specific to other believers um, in our faith. But it says here, suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. Another person who is proclaiming the faith. Okay. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs. What good is it? We, and even the world has noticed this and, and has gotten very irritated with it. But anytime there's any type of calamity, you know, thoughts and prayers. That's, that's the thing that always goes out. Thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers. And that is awesome. But the issue is, I've talked about this on um, different podcast episodes, but the way that God operates which is why I even started this podcast, is through his people. We are to bring heaven down to earth through his people. He uses his people to bring heaven here to earth. So if all of his people are sending out thoughts and prayers and having faith with no action, then nothing is getting done. We need The, the action part needs to happen. We need to take action. And so what do we, why do I bring up this scripture here? Again, we're talking about living the daily life as a Christian. What does that look like? It looks like taking care of your brother and sister in Christ. Some people have been praying for things. And you have been the one that has been supposed to supply that thing for them. But you're holding on to it. And this is a tough word because this is something that only you, you would know. God has been speaking to you about this. This is not to condemn the body or try to get everybody out there just doing all types of crazy stuff. No, this is something that God has been speaking to you. It's been on your heart. You've been wondering if you should help. Something has been holding you back, whether it's other people, whether it's worldly views, whatever it may be. But you're not taking the action that you should be taking to help someone, another brother and sister in Christ. So, again, part of living this daily life is just helping out our brothers and sisters in Christ. There, there are benefits that come in the kingdom of heaven. And part of that is through the renewing of the mind and not leaning to your own understanding and yielding of the Holy Spirit. You have now joined a family blessed by God. That all have access to if you receive him. But being a, a brother or sister in Christ should come with the benefit of the other brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, one of the big draws to gangs, you know, you know, the criminal families, the activities, is that family aspect. You see it in movies all the time. If you ever have known if anyone who might have been in a gang or uh, is in one the the big the big thing they always talk about is you know you know we're like family it's like my brother you know the people need that feeling and that is a feeling that they should get in the church but they're not getting it 
And so that's what they're looking for, but they don't know it. So they're going somewhere else to find it. Because that brother or sister, as they say, would die for them. Would do things that they shouldn't do, but that's the person who has their back. That's the one who they trust. That's the one when they're in need, looks out for them. And we're wondering why they're going there. It's because they're getting that sense of love and, and commitment and, and that familiarity that what they should be receiving from the church. No, we shouldn't be doing bad things for them, but we should. they, they should feel loved, uh, cared about there. Um, and again, no, we don't want to be the person because even the prodigal son, eventually people stopped giving him things and that's what brought him back. So sometimes that looks like Hey, maybe putting boundaries on something. Maybe at this point you might just help them, but you, you've noticed they keep finding themselves in that same position. So maybe you say, hey, you know, um, I'm going to help you, but let's look at what we can do to help you get out, get off of this path. And how can we guide you and help you and, and take action and walking this with you? You know, but if we just say, what does it say here? Go in peace. Keep warm and well fed. But do nothing. But do nothing about their physical needs. What good is it? What good is it? No. Again, this is something we got to take into prayer. Because obviously not everybody's in a position to do the same amount as someone else. But also we got to be aware that God may be calling you, even if you're in a position of lack, to give. Again, that's something that only you would know. You would have to take up in prayer. But that may be something that God is calling you to do. It says, in the same way, faith itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Faith is accompanied by action. And again, when we're talking about living this daily life, we can't we can't just continue to send out thoughts and prayers. This it's not it's not enough. If you truly have faith, then action it comes along with that faith. If your brother and sister is in need, don't just send out thoughts and prayers to them, tell them to go in peace and be warm. Alright? We take action. We pray about it. Okay, you don't gotta be impulsive. I'm gonna read a scripture about about you know giving later. But we do want to pray about it, but this is one of the things that the body of Christ is lacking, that willing to give to a brother or sister in need, and it's because we're judging them. You know, things that, yeah, they may have done that, that wrong thing. They might have done something stupid. It might be of their own fault of why they're in the situation they are, but how many times have we been in that situation? You know, one of the big things, and I, I was hearing something the other thing. The other day, and it might be getting, you know, uh, canceled. And again, you know, don't want to start into a big political conversation. But the thing that Biden was doing where he was trying to eliminate, you know, school debt, I think 10 grand for some and 20 for another. And the, the big repetitive thing I kept hearing and seeing was I paid my debt. Why shouldn't they? And it's almost like. I got beat. They need to get beat too. We, they, it's like they acknowledged that the system was wrong, but because 
they, you know, unfortunately may have not gotten the relief they needed in time. It's like, no, nobody else should get relief either because I didn't get my relief. We all know that the that the prizes on on schools and universities and stuff like that is way higher, and, and the interest you know really kills you. You can pay for years and not make a dent in it, and you know it's just horrible. And people have tons of people have gone through this, but there's an opportunity for some to get relief, and those that have gone through are just like no. My brothers and sisters, the same way in our faith. We have made mistakes, and unfortunately, there have been those who haven't acted who should have that to help us out and guide us and lead us. But in no way, shape, or form should that lead you to not help another brother and sister in need. You can help them out still, and still you now have some wisdom to also share with them. But it shouldn't be a reason to just send them and say, be in peace and do no action. Next, we're going to read in James chapter 2, verse 3. James chapter 2, starting at verse 3. Actually, we're going to start, we're going to start at uh, James chapter 2, verse 1. James chapter 2, verse 1. My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes. And a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing the fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you. But say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? We, another step of living the daily life. We need to start seeing the the poor just as as worthy as those with money. We sometimes even look down um, and pity at the poor, and we just kind of just go on about our lives. Again, everyone in their own way should go into prayer. And see what God is speaking to them. But I really think on the level of reaching the poor. Um, we are we are, we are are failing. And this doesn't just mean getting things for them. There is an opportunity also. To speak the word to them. And to you know set up methods of. Of if they would like to. Um discipleship and along with that that discipleship we can show love and concern but also take action on figuring out what they need to get on their feet i know a big hindrance to a lot of uh, people who are homeless is uh having an id identification card even if they don't have the license you know and and sometimes I think, you know, what are what are the things that we could possibly put into place to help them out with that with, with such things? But also, you know, helping them grow in the word of God. And 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 again, I feel like the Bible puts a bigger burden on helping our brothers and sisters than it does the world. I don't truly believe we're supposed to solve all the world's problems. But 
being a brother or sister, um, being a believer in Jesus Christ, which again produces fruit, um, should be of benefit. And I believe it's supposed to be when you're in the kingdom of God through his kingdom people. And I just feel like there are many things that, you know, again, it starts at the level of just showing the common respect of speaking, of maybe sharing a word, of maybe possibly inviting them to church, um, going to go pick them up, going the extra miles. You know, again, we're getting into the, the love of money here because burning gas, driving some extra mileage, people, some people just ain't for that. They're like, nah, it's some extra mileage i know some people also have families and they might not feel comfortable having people in the car with their family so again all of these things aren't for everybody but i feel like these are certain things that certain people in certain positions with certain types of 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 money or time and space or whatever it may be can start doing to help the homeless again helping the homeless may not be the calling that god has called you to but through the lack of what I see being done with the homeless, I do believe that more people should be doing more things than what is actually happening um, as it relates to being able to share the word with them, inviting them places, and you know, just helping to, to take care of them and show the love of God, show them what love is all about. Okay. Um, we're going to go into Acts chapter 4. 34 Acts chapter 4 34 verse 34 All right so this one here Acts chapter 4 is one of the the passages that is it really touched my heart when I read this and this is what I feel like the true image of what it means to be in 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 the part of God's family in the, in communion with God's people, and I'm I'm actually going to start at verse thirty two. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had with great power. The apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it in the, at the apostles' feet and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Can you imagine that? The the selflessness that people had to be able to do this. And I don't know, it's just not I can't even imagine it happening on this level. Because people have just come become so encompassed in what it means to be successful, especially here in America. And that means to have your own house, you know, two cars, enough savings for six months worth of emergencies, 
And if you haven't gotten those things or gotten into the dream home or the dream car, then it's like your funds are on hold. Ain't nobody getting nothing. I'm not sharing anything, you know, and there is such a discrepancy in in the body of Christ and the needs. There are so many who are in plenty and so many who are in lack. And again, one may say that, you know, oh, they're making bad choices or they need to do this. or You know, people are quick to offer advice. Because advice don't cost you nothing, whether it's good or bad. But to give freely, it says like the there were no needy persons among them. This passage is so powerful. I'm going to read this one more time. I'm in the NIV. All the believers were one in heart and mind. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own. Literally in that verse, it it acknowledges that it was their possession. It says their possessions. No one claimed that any of their possessions, because it could have said no one claimed that they had any possessions. But no, it's acknowledging that it was their possessions. They just didn't claim them as their own. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. There are people with things that are rusting, probably collecting dust that they're keeping on standby for safekeeping. That people could be utilizing, others could be utilizing other brothers and sisters Again, this is putting a big emphasis because this is what I feel like the Bible puts puts a big emphasis on is other brothers and sisters, okay? Not just the whole world, but specifically other brothers and sisters. If you can help a neighbor who's not a brother and sister, that's good too because God does say to show your love. But I feel like it puts a bigger emphasis on other brothers and sisters in Christ. And again, no one claimed any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. They didn't. They didn't rent stuff that they had. They didn't charge to use the things that they had. It says, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. Whew. That there was no needy persons among them all. This is another big one. God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. I know a lot of people say, not that this is an excuse, but it's like, man, I work for this. I'm not going to let somebody just come in and, you know, just just bum off of me. And there may be people who are thinking, you know, oh, I don't have to do or bring anything to the table. But because you are also believers, you guys should take care of me. But I think this passage here where it says, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. When you think about what that means, um, when God's grace is on you and it's working powerfully, I truly believe everyone was contributing to the best that they could. I don't think anyone was in there just to try to, you know, get what they could get and, and get up out of there. No, I think everyone, their contributions might have been at different levels. 
and some might have been on on the path of you know coming up or trying to work to get to a certain place, which obviously was made better because everyone was sharing everything. There are people who can't; they're trying to get to that next step, and they just need a little bit of help. But no one's no no one's going to help. You're not you're not not with my stuff. You're not. This is my stuff. I worked hard for this stuff. The Lord has blessed me with this stuff. Me and my family. Me and my family. That's the, that's the one of the big cop outs. I got to take care of my family. You got more than enough for your family. You got more than enough for your family. I don't, I don't really like to put my kids on blast, but I was really upset a couple of weeks ago. Um, it was at the end of, of service, and I was picking them up for Children's Church. And specifically on this day, they had these goodie bags for the, the new children, the first-timers. And, you know, I seen I seen... One of my kids go up and reach out for them, and they told them it was for the new kids. And the look on their face, you know, you would have thought that, you know, somebody just broke their heart. And the children's church teacher wind up giving in, and he's like, yeah, it's okay, you can have one. But I was, I was personally upset, and a little quick disclaimer, I did realize later my kid had a fever, they weren't feeling good, so I'm hoping that attributed to it, but normally they don't, they wouldn't act that way, and so I had a long talk with them about how I was disappointed because they have plenty, you know, they get snacks from church all the time, we have snacks that we can get when we're at home, it's not like you don't get snacks, so for you to act a certain way when, you know, you were told that, oh, this is for the, the first time the new kids... I'm like, that's that's not even like you, you know? And it just really bothered me that that happened because, you know, that's not the values we put. If, if there's something for the new kids, then, you know, uh, by means, again, you know, when people are coming into the faith, we want to show them the love of God and embrace that. And know it's not to try to, like, win them over with gifts, but, like, you know, we want to show, you know, show our love for them, you know? Even, even being new, we want to make sure that they get enough. And we should be okay with that because we get things all the time from our brothers, brothers and sisters. And so, you know, just operating in that type of, of love is 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 just awesome. And so, um, yeah, this passage, man, they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned... So this wasn't a one-time thing. This wasn't, this wasn't a one-time thing. This wasn't just a once, you know, everybody just put something in the pot and we're going to distribute this out. Now you've been caught up. If you need help, you got some help. You better not mess up again. No, it says from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet and it was distributed to anyone who had need. One of the things that um, I really look for in a church, I'll put it that way. Um, I don't think it's all about the services, but what is the church doing first and foremost for the people in the church and possibly in the community? You know, if, if, if I'm paying tithes or offerings or anything like that, where is what's happening with that money? If it's if it's just to get a bigger church, I'm not a big fan. I'm not a big fan of that. I mean, if we're if we're really just at capacity and we need it, you know, I'm like first and foremost, we probably can. I, well, some of those lots of churches are leasing, but like, 
I don't know. I just feel like that money is, you know, the people at the church shouldn't be hurting if we're about to go get a bigger church, you know? And so, because cause that money, it says here, they distribute it to all who need it. And so, like, the money that goes into the pot is for God's, it's for the plan of God, but also God's people. I know God has called different ministries to do different things, and that costs money. You might need to get a building for this program, for this, whatever it may be. You know, we sow into the community, but you literally got people coming to the church who are in need and in lack. And again, if there are uh, programs you need to put into place, um, especially for maybe um, people who are repeatedly, you can see they're struggling with something. They continuously need help. You know, that that's one thing. And so, you know, you put that into place. But um, we got to I feel like we just got to do better at knowing our congregation, um, helping them. And this passage just speaks so much to that. From time to time, they sold, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Sometimes I think our picture, you know, they talk about looking at the big picture, but I feel like your mind gets so big that you miss what's right in front of you, and that's the people. That's the people right in front of you. Even the people who are sowing their seed are sowing in faith. You know, they, they may be sowing and not even have enough for that bill that's coming up. And so we just have to be mindful of those type of things. If you're on any type of committee or any type of uh, church or anything like that, um, you know, this might be something to, to bring up. You know, what are, what are we making happen for the people? Some of the visions that I've sometimes had, and actually the church I go to now is really good at this. They have monthly meals after church. Um, because you don't know what people are able to even afford. People might not even be eating well. And, you know, I would like to have something so whereas, you know, there's a, you know, maybe a almost daily, maybe five days a week, like a, just a meal that's being provided. And, you know, you invite the just everyone in the church. And so they know on this day that, you know, they don't have to plan for food, that they know there's going to be a hot meal for them to eat. You know, the, the brothers and sisters in the church and, and that takes some stress off of them for that night. And they can, you know, focus on other things. This is so, I feel like so much can come out of just a weekly meal or, you know, again, like I said, if, if I could get the funding, like just five days a week, you know, a, a meal that could be provided and have volunteers and be able to help those who are, are in need and maybe their families and, is in need. But things like that is a resource that people are in need could could use just just to get a, a a meal that they can eat that wouldn't cost them anything you know and hopefully it'd be a, a health healthy options you know so again you're helping their health in their pockets like things like that it's just things that's going on my mind and um i do believe the lord is going to provide and i will be able to implement some of this stuff uh eventually but um yeah it's just this passage is just so powerful to me um I'm going to read in Luke 11, 8. Please meditate on Acts 4, uh, 30, uh, 32. I don't know why I got written down 34. I'm put down 32. Acts 32. Please go over that verse. Meditate on that verse, especially if you're in some type of leadership role at your church. 
um, that would be, I feel like we um, really need to spend some time looking at that. But again, we're heading over to Luke 11.5. Luke 11.5. If you got an iPhone or smartphone, you probably already beat me there. All right, here we go. Luke chapter 11, verse 5. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Again, this passage really just stood out to me because, again, he wound up giving the friend what he needed. And it says, again, it wasn't because of friendship. It was because of his shameless audacity. But I believe that, you know, it's calling us to be that brother and sister in Christ who uh, doesn't need to make them feel in shame. But if they need something like that and we have it, you know. Uh, why not just get up and, and, and share it with them? Um, and I know a lot of people are going to talk about boundaries and people who are takers and never givers and, and that type of stuff. But some of the things I think we just need to leave to God, you know, pray, pray for that person, pray about it. Um, and yeah, there, there may be a time again where you might have to cut off if, if it seems like it's getting out of hand, but, um, I feel like a lot of people have just put up a brick wall on this type of of helping and giving and taking action and and helping those in their daily lives. Again, this episode's about living our daily lives. You know, it says no one was in need on that last passage in their daily lives. People from time to time in their daily lives was thinking about others. This is happening from time to time. This is something that's on their mind and they're being taken care of. And I'm sure once someone is getting taken care of, when they get in a position, they're going to pass that forward. Um, same here. A friend comes to you in need. Uh, you know, you want to be that good friend. Again, daily life as a Christian, loving, caring, giving. And being that person that others know and something stands out about you, you know. And we're just going to finish in Second Corinthians 9. Uh, chapter 9, verses 8 and 9. Alright, and so... Actually, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start in 6. Keep doing this. Sorry about that. Alright, so it says, Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give. So first, I'm going to stop it there real quick. So what it's saying is here is if you sow, if you if you give a lot, then you're going to receive a lot. Um, and if you give generously, you're going you're gonna to receive generously. Um, and so that is something that the Bible is telling us, but I think we have to be careful not to 
give with the wrong motives, which is what this next verse is going to go off. Also, you don't want to be manipulated by this verse as well. People just trying to get you to give. And they're like, oh, you're going to get more if you give, you know. And so you also don't want to be manipulated by this verse. But here in um, verse 7, it says, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. So whenever you do give, again, we talked about these principles and, and different ways to live this daily life and to show love and to help one another, especially brothers and sisters. Um, but when you do this, though, the first step is it can't be under compulsion or reluctancy. So you can't watch this episode and be like, oh, I guess I should probably start giving. And then the next person who asks you, you're like, man... I really don't want to, but I watched that episode. No, then your heart is still not ready to give. And I'm not saying that in a bad way, but I'm saying you still aren't in the the mode. You still want to go take that back into prayer because the moment you give, it shouldn't be anything that's like really holding you back. You shouldn't have any feelings of regret that you gave it away. Um, it says here, not reluctantly or under compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver. So when you give, it should be like, you know what, brother? God bless. Here you go. I hope this helps you out with your problem. And again, like we talked about earlier, you can also... I, this And this is me personal. This isn't biblical. But if I'm lending you money on something, I feel like I have a, a some of a right to, to know about what's happening with it. Because you may be able to help them a little bit more than just monetarily. Okay, you might have a resource for them to help them out with that that situation. And so you may be able to, again, steer them somewhere where, you know, the help is. Okay, Um, this isn't a pass the buck type deal, though. You don't want to just pass them on to the next person. Hopefully you later check up with them like, hey, did you check up on that resource? You know, Um, and then that's a whole nother thing you get into because if they're not utilizing the resources you've given them, then, you know. They might not really be looking for the right type of help. So that's another thing you take up in the prayer. But the main thing is, you know, when you give, it should be cheerful. Um, You should be happy to give. Um, It says, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work as it is written. They have freely, freely scattered their gifts to the poor their righteousness endures forever. So in closing, when we're talking about, again, living this Christian life, what does it look like? Um, it looks like daily the love of God is expressed. Okay. Um, that we are talking and thinking the way God would have us to think about God and Jesus throughout our daily. Again, going back to Deuteronomy, it says when you're sitting in the house, when you're walking along a path when you're lying down, when you're getting up, okay? No matter what you're doing, um, especially with your children, you should be speaking to them, showing them how to incorporate God into their whole life, not just their Sunday uh, morning or uh, Wednesday evening life or uh, life where they attend events, but throughout their whole life. Um, We've seen in the different passages um, that we should be helping those, adding action to our faith, not just thoughts and prayers all the time, 
um, we've seen that we should be treating the rich and poor equally, you know, as brothers and sisters in Christ. That's one thing that people look at is how you act. Again, the fruits of the spirit, you know, one of the biggest one, the most important ones is love. And so if you're not showing that um, in your daily life, not just on Sunday mornings, not when you're just talking to other believers in Christ, because your life is going to draw some people to Jesus. They're going to see Jesus in you, and that's going to be what draws them. So you have to be aware of that. Um, we talked about the what it looks like for a community of, of believers to come together and for no one to be in need. And what a beautiful picture that must have been for them back then. And, and you know, and the possibility of that happening. So again, that was Acts 4.32 starting there. If you can get back to that passage. And then um, the persistent friend who, you know, the the friend reluctantly helped. But we shouldn't be given reluctantly as we read in 2 Corinthians 9.7. But... We should be cheerful givers um, and helpers of our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. And in summary, pretty much every aspect of your life, whether at work, home, school, uh, hobbies, whatever it may be, church, (laughs) we should be expressing the fruits of the Spirit and talking and sharing God, whether it's through our life or through conversation, um, with everyone, the Bible tells us that to let our light shine, we're supposed to let it shine so that people can see the Jesus in us. And so, um, I'm going to go ahead and close this out in prayer. Um, I thank you guys for joining me for another episode of on earth as it is in heaven. Um, yeah, if you would love to, to sow into this podcast ministry, it is something that I feel like God is calling me to do. Uh, full time. I would love, love, love to hear your feedback. Um, my information will be in the show notes if you want to contact me uh, on YouTube. Uh, I believe you can leave comments there and on Spotify. I believe we're going to be setting up some Q&A there. Um, so those are some quick ways to uh, contact me or, or leave your feedback. I would love feedback on what you are receiving um, from these episodes and how they may or may not be helping you. Um, and hopefully they are helping you to um, pretty much get into action and into your calling and into your purpose. And Or if you're already in your calling and purpose, helping you to flow in it a lot better and connect with people through love and to make sure we're truly seeking God as it relates to the things that we are doing. And so I thank you guys for joining me. I'm going to close this out in prayer. Heavenly Father, I just pray right now that your word was received to everyone that you have called to to receive it. I pray, Lord, that all the listeners of this episode, Father, meditate on your word. Go back and read these scriptures for themselves. And they pray for understanding from the Holy Spirit in any way that it would apply to you. I thank you, Lord, that you are the one and only God. I thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for our sins, that we may have salvation through you. I pray that if any unbelievers have come across this podcast, Lord, that the Holy Spirit would speak to their hearts. 
that they would truly receive you into their hearts, Lord. You said that salvation is by faith, by grace through faith. And so we thank you, Lord, that you have opened up this opportunity to all who will receive it. That anyone can take you up on this offer, Lord, and know for sure that they will be in heaven. We know the only one who walked this life perfectly was Jesus. And that we will continue to fail and falter and stumble. But luckily we have you, Lord, that we can look to. We have the Holy Spirit that you have sent as the comforter. We have you, Heavenly Father, that we can confess our sins to and ask for help and repentance to change our ways of thinking and living and loving. We thank you, Lord, that you are with us. I pray right now, Heavenly Father, that anyone over this uh, streaming, any of the platforms that we stream through, Lord, that are listening right now, any prayer that they need, that they've been praying for earnestly, Lord, that they've truly been seeking, any wisdom that they've been praying for that they need, any understanding that they've been looking for, the signs, Father, that you have heard their prayer and that you're speaking to them. I pray that their ears would be open and their eyes would be open, Lord, that they would hear and see in the Spirit, that they would know exactly what it is that you're speaking to them. I pray that everyone, Heavenly Father, who's been holding back from being obedient to the actions you've called them to, Lord, will take that step of faith, Lord. I pray that your body, the body of Christ, Lord, will start really taking care of one another as an axe, Lord, that none would be in need. Pray for discernment, Lord, that nothing of the devil, Lord, would sneak in as we begin to implement these principles, Father. Any deceptiveness, anyone looking to to pervert your word, Lord. Anyone looking to destroy the community, the body, what you have called us to do, Lord. I pray that no one who hears this message is deceived, Lord. I pray that it was spoken clearly. We love you, Father. We praise you, Lord. We thank you that you are you, that you are you. There is none like you, Lord. And we are grateful that the God that we serve is greater than anything that we could ever imagine. We thank you that we know that we can't understand all of your ways. And we wouldn't want to. We wouldn't want to serve a God that we could understand every single aspect of him. We serve a God who is greater than any human mind. The creator. The one and only. We give you the praise and thanks. And it's in Jesus name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to another episode. I hope today you received an on-time word from God and found the inspiration you needed to take action in whatever it is that God has called you to do. Tune in next week to hear another Holy Spirit-led conversation about how together we will bring heaven here on earth according to God's will.